Honestly, I can't remember really uh, being this bad that we've had to bait while we're sowing. Yes, you do see them running around, you are catching them in the house, and if you go down to the silos at night time, the place is alive. If you cast your mind back to 2021, rural New South Wales was the epicentre of a mouse plague with some extraordinary scenes uh, being uh, transmitted on television. Seedlings were being eaten faster than they were able to be replanted. It cost farmers in that state alone more than a billion dollars. And to combat the issue, the government fast-tracked the approval of 5,000 litres of bromodialone. It's a mouse bait that's usually illegal at such large scales. Even in years that aren't considered mouse plagues, an estimated 70 million tonnes of grain is lost around the world to rodents each year. While bromodialone and other poisons are arguably effective at killing mice, several problems exist as well. New research suggests there might be an alternative to poison, and although it doesn't claim to solve mouse plagues, the results are promising. Catherine Price is one of the researchers looking at the role of wheat germ oil and how it can be used to confuse mice, save crops and native animals alike. Catherine, welcome. Thanks so much, Geraldine. What can you change about the behaviour of mice? Well, we're actually, we're not really trying to change the behaviour of mice. We're actually just trying to, I guess, make what they would normally eat, so the wheat seeds, much harder for them to find. And animals, you know, they're constantly searching for food. They'll find what they get the best bang for their buck, essentially. And so if one thing is hard to find, they'll search for something else. And um, before the wheat seeds are sown, the mice are in the paddock, they're eating other things. And so essentially what, all we've done is tried to hide the wheat seeds when they go in so that the mice never kind of learn to find them. Okay, now I'm going to, I don't think we've done behavioural change in mice on a program before, <laughs> so we'll delve a little more into that. But this question of poisoning is quite interesting because um, the poisoning has an effect on more than the, the uh, rats themselves, isn't it? That's the trouble. It does travel up uh, the, um, the animal um, system. Yeah, so the current approved poison for, for mice in paddocks is actually zinc phosphide and that isn't, um, you don't get sec secondary impacts from that but it can kill birds that eat the grains directly. Um, but the problem, at, the problem with that is that um, what they've discovered just recently is the dosage that it was put out was was pretty ineffective for actually killing mice. It wasn't as lethal as it was thought to be. And so they've now doubled the amount of poison per grain to make it more lethal, um, which obviously then also means it's more lethal for anything else that eats it. So, um, you know, I think we worked out a duck would only need to eat sort of four grains of the zinc phosphide treated uh, wheat seed to to be killed. Um, and it's very hard to estimate how many birds might get killed because they tend to eat the grain and then fly off. Um, so the poisons just aren't as effective at, as doing at killing mice as they are sort of supposed to be. Um, and so there has been this pressure to use other toxins which do accumulate in the food chain and which would be really devastating for native fauna. Um, so that's, yeah, the, I guess 
the issue with poisoning is is just that it, it often isn't effective. It doesn't actually control populations of mice. Um, mice populations tend to crash anyway um, just as the food runs out. Um, but it's obviously when farmers have got no option, that's what they want to do and um, you can completely understand that. Mm. So it's really... I guess, just a, an issue with not having many options available and that's where our research comes in to, to try and provide some other tools that are effective and give people options. Yes, and, and the research is uh, olfactory misinformation. Now, tell, yes. us, tell us how it works, please. So um, olfactory misinformation is is really about, so try, we spend a lot of time trying to sort of get into the heads of, of animals searching for food and think about why they would be um, finding and choosing to eat certain things, um, what's, what kind of sensory cues they're using, and it turns out that most mammals in particular really rely on smell to find their food. And so can we then make things um, harder to find so that animals don't perceive them as available anymore. And um, by thinking about camouflage and um, most, you know, because humans are very visual creatures, we tend to notice visual camouflage and, you know, the military use it and it's a very common approach to, to avoid detection. We started thinking, well, can we make things olfactorily camouflaged and, and how might that work? And, and it turns out that it actually works really well <laughs> when, you, when you kind of understand how animals are, are making decisions about what to eat and, and how they're sort of balancing up different um, costs about search, search time and handling time and things like that. So, so what um, do you do actually do with this wheat so, germ oil? So with the wheat germ oil, we, it's, <laughs> it seems ridiculously simple. We actually just spray it on to the surface of the soil. So um, Finn Parker was the PhD student who actually did all the work. So <laughs> I'm um, riding on his coattails. But um, he just sprayed it using a normal... Um, sprayer that you would spray any kind of um, pesticide or whatever in your garden um, up and down the rows of the wheat when the wheat was sown and that covered the surface of the soil very thinly with a layer of wheat germ oil and because the mice are you know walking along the surface um, of the paddock sniffing out these seeds and it turns out they really hone in and can find them really um, with pinpoint accuracy if if it smells like wheat germ oil everywhere they can't detect the seed below the surface. And they go away? Well, they stay there because they, they're living, the mice actually live in the paddocks, um, but they're not searching for the wheat germ or the wheat germ in the seeds. So this, uh, wheat seeds have um, part of, about a third of the seed is wheat germ, this wheat germ which has mm. the, um, the part of the seed that turns into the wheat plant mm -hmm. and um, that's the bit that sort of is very high in fats and that's the bit that we think the mice are sniffing and detecting and therefore if the whole surface of the paddock smells the same, they can't work out where the seeds are. Goodness So they me. just don't search for them. This is incredibly clever thinking, isn't it? Um, well, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of really simple in hindsight but, yeah, it, it required an understanding of how mice were foraging and, and what they're using to find the seeds. And so, yeah, when we suddenly sort of, well, Peter Banks, who, who led the research, when kind of suddenly went, oh, hang on, we could just try this. 
uh, it was sort of like, wow, why haven't we thought of this before? <laughs> so, um, and what's the next step from here? Because uh, it's been 20 years in the making, I understand, this research. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I wonder so, what university, we're just talking about universities, what university prompted this? Where were you both working, by the way? Uh, so, so it started um, when... Uh, Peter was at UNSW at University of New South Wales and and I joined him there to do my PhD with him um, and he'd already had an honours student, um, Jenna By the Way, who had started the initial work just looking at and we were thinking of mice at the time as a kind of model system, um, looking at how they found seeds, but we were very much coming from a conservation perspective, thinking about larger predators like foxes and how they might find prey. And I had come from working at national parks on a threatened bird that was um, very visually camouflaged but was still getting found by foxes. Peter had this idea that maybe we could use smell, that it was being found by smell. The nests were still conspicuous to the foxes using smell and that we could put the smell out everywhere to hide them. And um, that really appealed to me because killing the foxes didn't seem to be stopping them there were still foxes around finding these nests and so it sort of grew from there and um, we did a whole lot of different experiments. Um, we were able to show that rats, we could stop rats from finding nests using um, quail odour spread throughout the bush. Right. <laughs> so it was pretty glamorous research. And, um, <laughs> and look, just finally, are the farmers on board with this? It's being applied now, isn't it? Yes, yeah. So um, the next stages are really to try and get it cost effective. This was a proof of concept that we've um, that we've tried to just to show that it would work, and um, the results were, you know, really surprising, <laughs> surprisingly good. We reduced the damage by about seventy four percent, and so now the um, the plan is to try and work out how much wheat germ oil is needed. We put about 50 mm. times the amount that's possibly needed out just to make sure it would work. And now it's trying to work out, well, would you need to put that much out or could you use a lot less? Okay. How often do you need to apply it and that sort of thing? But essentially it could, it, you know, it should be able to be spread by machinery that mm. farmers already have. Wheat germ oil we think is a byproduct. It's pretty much a waste product at the moment. Um, okay. So there's no reason... Yeah. Well, look, uh, good luck. Thank <laughs> it's you. It's quite intriguing. Uh, and uh, I, I hope that it, we do hear a lot more of it. Thank you for joining us, Catherine. No worries. Thank you very much, Geraldine. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.